Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, ABC family. Merry Christmas. Can you believe that it is Christmas and it's Sunday morning and you are at home and I hope you're cozy, I hope you're warm, I hope you've already opened the Christmas presents and so uh, your hearts are full of excitement and I hope you got good gifts. And if you didn't get good gifts, then nudge the person who you expected a better gift from this morning. I'm kidding, don't do not do that. But listen, I'm so excited that I get a chance to speak with you today. Uh, if you're new, by the way, to our space, my name is Moses Khan. I'm the assistant pastor here at All People's Church. I'm so thrilled that I get a couple minutes with you while you are on your couch or your dining table or maybe even in your in your bedroom. I hope you're not out in the cold. I hope you are in the comfort of your home. Maybe you got a fireplace on and uh, maybe if you are extremely cold, you have one of those heating blankets. And so whatever your, whatever your scenario is, I'm so excited that we get a couple moments to share here on Christmas morning Sunday. How cool is that? I think that happens every seven years if my math is correct. If not, whatever, don't let me know. Um, Okay, well listen, I want to go to Matthew chapter two with you. And um, I just love this portion of scripture because in this portion of scripture, there are some unlikely people that gain proximity and intimacy with Jesus. And I'm so excited uh, about this because I wanna draw some things out of this chapter in Matthew chapter two um, for you. And let me just read couple of verses from Matthew chapter two. I'm reading out of the ESV translation and uh, here's what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star and when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Christmas, the gift that you have sent in your son. 
And Lord, in these couple moments that we have here on Christmas morning Sunday, I pray that you would be close to us and that we would feel your nearness and that we would allow this incredible moment in history that has really changed the entire world for the better. It has caused joy to come to the world. We just ask that these couple moments, Lord, would be moments where we feel your presence, where we would feel your nearness, and that we would hear from you this good news of great joy. Thank you, God, for every family and every individual watching right now. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, listen, I was on vacation not too long ago, and I don't know if I'm still tanned, but uh, hopefully I am. And uh, by the end of the week, I tried to get as much sun as I possibly could because I wanted to show something for my vacation. I wanted people to know, hey, this individual uh, looks like he went on vacation. And I wanted, to, I wanted people to know that, that I got some rest. I, I was out of the country. I escaped winter for a couple of days. And what's hilarious uh, about this is by the end of the week, as I soaked in the sun more and more and my skin got uh, more brown or bronze or whatever, and by the end of the week, the people there, the locals there started speaking to me in Spanish. And uh, when I didn't respond to them or I didn't communicate back to them in Spanish and really I communicated with a face of complete confusion, they said to me, because I was in Dominican, they said to me, Dominicano, Dominicano? And I said, I said, no, sorry, I, I only speak English. And they were so confused. And they said, but the skin color, your skin color, your skin color. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry, this is, uh, this is just the sun. I was, I was many shades lighter than this earlier on in the week. And we laughed and they laughed and it was, it was a great time. It was this moment of them speaking a language that I couldn't understand and me trying to communicate um, with my facial expressions and they were able to understand from the most part that, hey, this man clearly does not speak our language. What I love about this story that I've read out of Matthew chapter two is that it kind of dispels this myth around drawing near to God. See, a lot of times you and I think that in order to draw near to God, we have to learn to speak his language. We have to learn to speak his language. Maybe uh, the reason you have not prayed to the level that you should be, maybe your prayer life isn't what it should be as a follower of Jesus, or maybe your time in God's word and, 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 and doing things that actually help your relationship with God, coming to church, worshiping even in your own time, creating that sacred space in ordinary moments of life. Maybe you've held back from those things simply because you're not convinced you speak God's language. And so you're trying to train yourself. And sometimes in the training of ourselves, we think it's, it's how we live life. And maybe if I live a, a more pure life, a sinless life, maybe if I manage my habits a little bit better, maybe that's me shaping the language I speak so that God would understand me, so that God would draw near to me. And so there's this complete confusion, I think, around this idea of drawing near to God, and that is that we have to speak his language. And what I get from this story, what I wanna share with you in the next couple moments, is that that's completely wrong. 
that what we find is the, in the Christmas story is not God telling humanity, hey, in order to draw near to me, you need to speak my language. What we see in the Christmas story is God entering humanity and speaking their language. It's actually God drawing near to us and saying, hey, listen, you are a fallen species. You, you have sinned against me. There is this gap. And so you cannot speak my language. You cannot be holy as I'm holy. You cannot enter my space. And so what I'll do is I will enter your space and I will speak in a language you can understand. I will speak your language so you no longer have to bear the burden of trying to figure out my language. This is why we have so many religions in this world, so many individuals across our world trying to speak the language of God, trying to do what they think is the right thing to do so that they can gain proximity to God and what I find about those individuals and even those world religions is they never are sure. They never are certain that what they're doing is actually gaining them access to who God is. But what I love about the Christmas story is that we can be sure. We can be sure because God has spoken plainly and God has spoken clearly by sending his son on our behalf. He has entered our space and he has spoken our language. Allow me to explain and go deeper into this narrative, this story, this moment in scripture. You know, it's so funny. I don't know if you have a nativity scene somewhere in your house right now. Maybe you're sitting next to one or close to one. What I love about the nativity scene that it, is that it's completely wrong. And I love that because it, it, it kind of just symbolizes our own effort to try to get things right. You know, oftentimes in the nativity scene, you see the shepherds, you see the wise men that we just read about. You see the angels sometimes, depending on how much you spend on your nativity scene, right? Maybe you went to Crate and Barrel and you went, you went high-end for your nativity scene. And so depending on how much you spend, it, it can include a lot more things. And, and sometimes in the nativity scene, you see these, these wise men. But the reality is, according to this story, the wise men actually don't show up to Jesus until he's about two years old. And so the depiction of Jesus, you know, baby Jesus in the manger, and then there's the wise men presenting their gifts, completely wrong. He was about two years old. He was probably running around the house as they came to present gifts to him. And so it, it says that it says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, this is so fascinating because in the birth of Jesus, you have the birth of a king. You have the birth of God himself. But in the midst of that, there's already this king occupying the space in which God has now entered. His name is Herod. Herod was known to be ruthless. He was not a good individual sent from the Romans to rule over the Jews. And it says that in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Now, this is what's so interesting. Scholars tell us that that title that the wise men used for Jesus, where is he born king of the Jews? That title was actually used for Herod. Herod was actually called king of the Jews because that's where he was placed to rule. That's where he was placed to be king. And so that was actually a title that scholars say 
was, be- was belonged to Herod. And here come three wise men from the east, and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Not placed king of the Jews, not given this authority or this seat of position by another nation or, or a government like you have, Herod. Where is this king of the Jews that has been born? We've come to worship him. What's fascinating about this story is when we read that word, those words, the wise men coming from the east. Now, again, notice that it doesn't say three wise men coming. I know in, in all the nativity scenes and the songs we sing, three wise men, you know, are there. But it just says wise men. And, and, and actually, scripture and even history tells us that they would have had an entourage, that it would have been a group of these individuals. And the word wise men in the Greek actually is the word magi. Magi came from the East. And that word Magi actually comes from magic. It actually comes from magician. And so not kind of the magicians, you know, of pulling rabbits out of hats and, and the endless ribbons. I don't know how they do that, but it's, it's obviously so funny and so fun. But these Magis were individuals who would have practiced magic, who would have practiced um, the study and the worship of stars, they would have been considered in their day and age scientists, if you will. They were astrologers. They would look and study the stars. They they believed that the gods would speak through the stars. And uh, here are these individuals who are pagan. They probably are Persian men, right, uh, given to uh, pagan practices. These are not individuals that you and I would say deserve the seat of proximity to Jesus, deserve the space of proximity to Jesus. And yet, these are the individuals that come to worship him. These are the individuals that God orchestrating this Christmas story says, these are the individuals I want to come and worship Jesus and present gifts to him. I love that. I love that. And then it says, they saw a star and they rose. And when it rose, they came to worship Jesus. When Herod hears this, he's greatly troubled, and he he gathers all of Jerusalem with him. He gets the chief priests and the scribes, and and, and, he, and he asks them, hey, where's this Christ going to be born? And, and what they do is they go to scripture, and they say, well, this is what is written by the prophets, that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And I want you to see this, okay? Because God is speaking the language of men. God finds these wise men, these magi, who are looking for God in the stars. Now, many of us would say, listen, that's not, that's not where you find God. God doesn't speak that language, if you will. God's not in the stars. And you might be asking, well, can, can we find God in the stars? Well, I would, say, I would say in this instance, God chose to reveal himself to these individuals. And so as it, as it relates to the study of, study of stars, don't be looking to stars for signs and, and, and okay, let me, let me be led by the stars. You know, uh, that, that saying it's written in the stars. Well, this was a moment where literally God wrote it in the stars. But I want you to see why God did this. God did this because this was the language the Magi spoke. This was the language that they were familiar with. And so God saw it in his own heart to speak their language, the language of these individuals who you and I would say are the least 
uh, a likely, the least um, to, to, to have the credentials to stand in such a space because what's so funny is that moments later, Herod gets the scribes. Herod gets the religious leaders involved. And moments later, what we find surrounding Jesus, what we find bowing before Jesus, are not the religious leaders, are not those who knew the scriptures. They, they weren't those who, who thought they knew the language of God. Those who thought they knew the language of God were not near Jesus to worship him. They were helping Herod to try and kill Jesus, but those who did not speak the language of God, those who God said, listen, even though you're searching in all the wrong places, I'm going to show up in your space, speak your language so that you can come and worship me. Those were the individuals worshiping Jesus. The story continues and, and they uh, are, are before Herod because Herod summons them in, in secrecy and he says to them, listen, go find Jesus because I want to worship him too. And clearly Herod is lying because moments later in this chapter, what Herod actually does is he issues a command and a decree to have every male child to and under killed. See, Herod was this kind of king. He was ruthless. He was vicious. And so he says to them, I want to worship him too, so go find this Jesus. Of course, he's lying to his, through his teeth. And they go, they go find Jesus. They come worship him. They present their gifts before him. And what I love about that moment is that in verse 10, it says, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Because this was their moment to worship Jesus. You know, these wise men, these magi, scholars say, would have traveled about 900 miles. That's 1,450 kilometers to come and see this child. It would have been a journey of several months. Could you imagine the conversation they would have had with their families or with their wives? Hey, hey, where are you going? Well, we're gonna go, we're gonna go worship this king. We're gonna, we're gonna go find this king and we're gonna give him some gifts. We're gonna worship this king. Oh, oh, king of king of what nation? Oh, well, actually, he's not a king of any any nation. Oh, well, how long has he been ruling this this area that might not be a nation? Well, you see, he doesn't really have a throne. He's actually a baby. He's going to be born. And we're going to go worship this. So just imagine the confusion. Just imagine even the journey that they would have traveled 1,450 kilometers, the desert spaces, all of the different things that they would have probably come uh, into contact with and, and the challenges of that. And yet, at the end of the journey, when they finally get to Jesus, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. And my question to us this morning is, man, do we feel that within us? Exceeding great joy when we come before Jesus to worship him. When we come before him and worship him. And so they worship, they worship Jesus. And then it says in verse 12, I want you to catch this, or in verse 11, let's read this together. It says, in going into the house, when they saw the child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this is this incredible moment. You know, 1,450 kilometers is a long way to journey, especially in those days of desert and storms and, and the rest of it. And yet the one reason, the one and only 
reason they traveled this long was to worship Jesus, was to bow down before him, was to fall on their faces, present their gifts to him, and worship in reverence, in awe, in wonder. That was the whole purpose of their journey. Because right after this moment, they go back. They travel the 1,450 kilometers back home for just these couple moments in the presence of God becoming human. This King of heaven now on earth. Just these little moments, this, this, this couple minutes in his presence was worth it for them. And then in verse 12 it says, and being warned in a dream not to return. There is God speaking their language again. See, this is what they believed. They were interpreters of dreams. They were the studiers of stars and, and, and the pract they practiced magic. And so God speaks their language again and he warns them in a dream not to return to Herod because Herod is lying. He wants to kill them and he's already killed so many children. And then it says they departed to their own country by another way. So I want you to catch this. The way they come is not the way they go, which is just another indication and a reminder to you and I on this Christmas morning Sunday that when we encounter Jesus, we do not leave the same. They returned a different way. A new direction was given to them. They journey on this journey of worship. They come to worship Jesus and they leave completely changed. They leave a different way than by the way they came. You know, I wonder in this moment what God is saying to you, what God is saying to us. And my encouragement is that we can dispel this burden and this myth of learning to try to speak the language of God, to gain some sort of proximity. God has entered into our space. God has spoken our language. That's why he came in the flesh. There's no one else coming. That's why when it came to the Magi, those who study the stars, an angel didn't appear to them. An angel appeared to Mary, an angel appeared to Joseph, an angel appeared to the shepherds. But when it came to the Magi, God spoke their language. And I want to encourage you that God is willing to speak your language. God is willing to enter your space where you think you might not find him. Maybe others have told him it is impossible for you to find him. I want to encourage you that God wants to enter into your space into your space and he wants to speak your language. In a couple moments, we're gonna sing, Oh Come Let Us Adore. It's this invitation to join the Magi, to join these wise men who journeyed so far simply for the purpose of worship, simply so that they could come and adore the King of the Jews, the King of heaven and here we have this invitation. And my question to us as we conclude, just before we start singing, oh come, let us adore the gift of Christmas, is as we read the story and as we come to the end, you know, we have an option. And the option is to either be like the Magi or to be Herod. 
to be the Magi who, who will journey to worship Jesus or to be Herod, who will fight for his throne. See, Herod was so vicious that history actually tells us that Herod was actually, he, he, he was actually responsible for killing off, of his, killing off his own children, even some of his wives, because he was under the illusion that they were coming after his throne. This is the kind of person Herod is, and, and I know it can be like, wow, this guy, is, this guy is so far from reality, but the truth is you and I also fight for our throne. We fight for our own authority. We fight for our story. We fight to do things our way. And so you and I have an opportunity to either be like Herod and fight for our throne and kill off anyone who threatens it, or to be like the Magi, to be like the wise men and bow before the true king. To bow in adoration, to bow in worship before the true king and his name is Jesus. And maybe you're on the other side of that screen and you're feeling in your heart a sense and an urgency to respond and to receive Jesus for who he is. Then you know that Jesus came to die for your sins and he was raised from the grave to prove to you that God has entered into our space. God has spoken our language and God wants to do life with you. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to pray a simple prayer. And that prayer simply says this, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And in a moment of faith, in a moment where you believe that Jesus is who he is, what you're believing is not that you need to try and prove that you speak his language. No, 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 you are expecting accepting the fact that he speaks your language, that he came and died for you, became your sin so that you might become his righteousness. This is the true gift of Christmas. Before we sing, I'd love to pray with you if you prayed that prayer. God, I thank you so much. Lord, for those who may have just responded by faith, to the reality that you speak our language, that you sent your son to enter into our space and you spoke our language, that he died on our behalf and he was raised from the dead. And so I just declare God over all those who are watching a stirring of wonder, a stirring of faith and a new sense of adventure that they get to do life with their creator. I thank you for the rest of those who might be watching. I pray, Lord, that they would continue to journey to worship you. That they would understand that you have come and no one else is coming. And so Jesus, we worship you and we adore you this Christmas day. It's in your name we pray, amen.